He's doing a great job. So, hey, I love you guys. We're looking forward to seeing you back on the 13th. And I hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you soon. Awesome. Well, yeah, there you go. Hopefully you can take that advice. If it's not great, and I'm not Steve, I apologize, but I will do my best. <laughs> Perfect. Great start. No, I, uh, like Steve said, my name's Logan, and I have the privilege of getting to be um, with the youth ministry during the season in a very limited capacity, but um, it's a really special thing for me. Um, some of you that I do know know this, but I at one point was here full-time on staff and um, have since transitioned and done several other things, and so it's really special for me to get to be back here. Every time that I teach in a large setting, I typically end up crying, and so that's probably going to happen. I didn't think it would happen this early, but I'll get emotional, and so just ride with me through that because that's probably going to happen. So, um, again, I, I work with the youth here. I kind of wear a lot of hats in life right now. So I, I work at Vintage part-time. Um, I work at a counseling practice in Marietta, East Cobb area. And online, I um, work for a wealth management firm in downtown Marietta. And I um, also do property research for commercial and residential property. And so I have a lot of hats and, and a lot of different things that I get to do. And that's really a fortunate thing for me. It also means that my life's a little bit chaotic. And so, again, I'm excited to be with you this morning. One of the hats uh, that I also get to wear in life is that I get to be a fiancé. <clears throat> Yes, that is great. So my fiance is Esther. She's right here in the front row. She gets to sit by herself the whole time because I'm up here. And so, um, no, she's great, and she is kind of the anchor in a lot of the chaos that goes on in my life. And so without her, I would be missing a lot of things, but specifically some structure and some sanity in the midst of a lot of the things I have going on. And so she is certainly one of the best blessings that's in my life. And so got through it, made it. Um, yes. So, um, like I said, I, I used to work here at one point, and so emotional, probably going to happen here. But um, I came here several years ago um, before Matt Reynolds was Spencer and Emily Lenz. That's their names. Yes, got it. And before them was me. And so I, I worked here full time for just under a year as the youth pastor and was able to build some really incredible relationships with many of you that are here, with Stephen Randall, with some students that I still have relationships with to this day. Um, it's a very strange, special, ironic thing. Toby actually was in the youth group when I was here, and he graduated. And so what a special thing that we get to be up here together and do that. And, again, just a, a lot of really great memories and a lot of really great things. And I got to see God move and do a lot of things in my life and in lives around me. Um, and so, again, this is a really special moment for me to be back. I, I also want to say this to you, and I didn't tell Steve I was going to do this, so if you're watching Steve, sorry. Um, but I don't really live in a world where I, I do regret. I don't have, like, a ton of, like, I should have done this differently, or if I could go back in time, I would change this. I, I do want to say to you, though, and, and some of you in this room, this affects more than others, but um, when I was at Vintage, things were going really well. We went through this, the youth ministry was going through an interesting season with the guy who left before I came, and, and I was able to come here and be a part of what God was doing and sort of steady the ship that maybe had been rocked a little bit. Um, and it was really, really special. And, and one morning, I woke up, and um, man, I appreciate that. Thank you, Gina. <laughs> um, yeah, I just woke up and, and my heart rate was like really elevated. And I was like, hey, maybe I had a bad dream. I'll just get up and live my life. 
Um, and it didn't stop. Like my heart rate stayed elevated. I uh, didn't drink any coffee that morning with good reason, but I went on to live the rest of my day and it didn't stop. And that night when I went to go to bed, I couldn't sleep. And the next day I woke up from like a couple hours of sleep and my heart was the same way. And I started not being able to eat and I stopped sleeping. And so over a span of about five or six weeks, uh, I ended up not eating for several of those weeks. I ended up spending about six days in a row not sleeping. I lost like 30 pounds, and my life was just very, very confusing. And and I had never dealt with anxiety or anything like that. I had never dealt with something that was physically and mentally and emotionally sort of debilitating. And in that process, one of the decisions that I made was to step down. This is going to take a while. Uh, It was a decision to step down from my position here, and so I stepped away from being the youth pastor here. I was a part of Vintage for several more months as that transition happened, and then I ended up moving away uh, to Athens and then to St. Simons, and now here I am in in the great circle of irony back at Vintage, and and what a great thing. But I think what I want to say to you is is that, one, I am very grateful to be here, and and two, what I want to say is I know there were a lot of families and students and parents that were affected by a decision that I made. And I recognize that in the moment. I recognize that when I made that decision. But I don't think I was in a great pace to recognize exactly what that meant. And I think what I want to say to you, if you were a person or a parent or a family affected by that decision, is just that I'm sorry. I think that, like I said, I I recognize that that's been some time, that it's been a process. But, um... If there were a decision that I could change, it would have been that, um, because this place is very special to me, and you people are very special to me, and so I, I just want you to hear me say that, like, that that's my heart for this place. I'm not back here doing a victory lap, thinking that everything's great. I, I recognize that uh, I'm a part of the youth ministry right now and helping transition this season, and the irony of that is that part of the reason this season exists is because of the decision that I made, that I was a part of a process. And so I just want you to know that. I love this place. I love you. I love Stephen Randall and what this place has meant to me, and I think what it will continue to mean to our family um, as we're part of Vintage for a long time, just being a part of what's happening. And so I just want you to hear me say that because it matters. I think it matters to me that you know that, like I said, I'm aware of how that affects the world around me and that my decisions weren't isolated. And so I just want you to hear me say that. So, wow, great start, you know. (laughs) Thank you, Gary, for starting that clap. I appreciate you needed a break. Um, No, but thank you so much. Well, yes, and like I said, I I don't – I felt very welcomed back here. I don't feel in any way like there's some sort of bad blood. But like I said, I just want to set off on the right foot. I don't really know how to do anything other than just kind of tell you what's happening in my world and and how I feel. And so, like I said, this place means a lot, and I'm really grateful for the chance to be back here. And so um, it's interesting when I I think about uh, the season that, that Vintage is in, and we talk a lot about momentum. And last week, Josh was talking about this idea that, You know, we're trying to build momentum, and sometimes in momentum, we sort of have that slingshot illustration. And he talked a lot last week about there's the pullback and then the release, and and we have this release into momentum. But the truth is, for all of us, personally, professionally, spiritually, relationally, this season has been really difficult, right? Like, this season's been difficult for vintage and churches as a whole, and this season of life over really the past couple years has just been hard in a lot of ways. 
And I think it's interesting to, to look at that and say, hey, we're, we're in hopefully this pullback in this release. And the truth is, though, that in the midst of that, sometimes it's easy to lose perspective on what else is going on. Obviously, again, there's a lot of people that have been affected in a lot of negative ways. And I think it's important to acknowledge that life is hard. Things are difficult. And I don't want to skirt over that and act like it's not. But I think something that's important during the season as well is to look at the other side of the coin and say, in what ways are things going well? Or in what ways maybe are we seeing some blessing in our life? Or in what ways are we being blessed in this season? And again, I point that out not because you're like, hey, everything's terrible and nothing's good. But I do think that at some times, even in light of momentum, like it feels like there's a lot of negative momentum at times. It feels like politically in our country, there's a lot of negative momentum. It feels like in the workforce with this, are we remote or are we not? Or are people going to work or are they not? Or what's the government doing or what are they not doing? There's all this momentum that feels really negative. And I do think at times, as cynical as I may be, and you can ask my fiance more about that, that there is help. It's a helpful thing for us to do to shift our perspective sometimes and look at, hey, what blessings are in our lives or or what ways is God blessing us in this season? Because it it can be helpful in in not allowing us to get stuck in the idea that this momentum or this direction, maybe this difficulty is going to continue. And so I use that word specifically because I I want you to think even right now is just when, when you hear the word blessing or when you hear that, like the idea of being blessed, I want you to think about the first thing that comes to mind. I just want you to think through like, if I'm being blessed or if there's a blessing in my life, what is it? And and for me, as I was talking through this with, you know, with my fiance and when I was working through this myself and talking through it with Steve, you know, the, to me, the, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about being blessed is just this idea of like something good happening in my life. And so I was raised by a great Southern Baptist mother who put me in a Southern Baptist church and we went to church every Sunday and it's not uncommon when I call my mom to check in with her and see how she's doing. If things are going well, she'll say, I just feel really blessed. And I think growing up in the South and growing up in the church, a lot of us can reconcile with that idea, right? That there's this blessing or that we feel really blessed when things are good. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But again, I, I want to continue to start really looking deeper at, well, what does blessing actually mean? Or again, what does it mean to be blessed? And so The reason that I bring that up is because I I think in that definition, a lot of times where we really start to come into is that blessing is sort of this like outcome. It's almost like this reward, like, hey, I've been doing things really well or I've been really faithful. And so God's blessing me. And for us, a lot of times it's a financial blessing. Hey, like I got a raise at work or, hey, I just got this new job or I got a promotion or my marriage is going really well or my kids are finally obeying me or Something along those lines, right? It's almost this thing of like, hey, when I, I get a blessing, it's, it's like here's this gift from God. Here's this thing that he's kind of giving to me as a result of me being faithful, of me doing what I need to do, of, you know, I sowed in good, and so I'll reap out good as well, right? And that's, again, sort of a cultural definition. It's also sort of the spiritual definition that we de- developed. And, and the other thing that I think of, that comes up really often when I think about blessing is the idea of blessing in disguise, right? And we think last week about Josh's talk where he talks about the story of Joseph. Obviously, being hated by your brothers and being sold into slavery is a terrible thing, right? It's not a blessing. But then we read the rest of the story, and what happens? Joseph goes in. He gets some kind of really poor treatment by Potiphar's wife. All of these negative things happen. But eventually what happens? We get to this point where not only does he save his family, but he saves a nation. He's this like 
advisor to the king, and, and something really incredible happens. We have this timeline of, hey, there was this really bad thing, but in the end, in the outcome, it was really good. It was a blessing. It was this blessing in disguise. I look at the season of life that I lived, and I talked about having anxiety. It caused me to step away from my job. It caused me to step away from a lot of things. It was a very weird, interesting season of life for me. At one point, I didn't work for just a month. So for like four or five weeks, I stopped working. And then eventually, I started making furniture in a very strange turn of events. But I I wasn't working, and so I just started having a chance to ask a lot of questions. And I was asking a lot of questions about what does God want to do with my life and what am I doing and where do I want to go? And again, I didn't sleep very much. I wasn't eating very much. I lost a lot of weight. I lost a lot of sanity. I was on medication just trying to sort out what was happening. I was seeing a counselor and it was a really difficult season. But as a result of that season, um, I was able to kind of reestablish, hey, this is the direction I want to move with my life. I started going to school to be a counselor. Um, and, and one of the things that happened in that season was I actually had an opportunity to meet Esther. And so strange series of events. We met a stranger series of events. We decided we wanted to date and then we decided to date and she left to go back to school in Virginia. And then we dated long distance for two and a half years now ish getting close to three. And so it was this really great outcome. And I could look at that story and be like, Hey, this was a blessing in disguise, right? I look at this and I say, it was a long road. It was really difficult. But the outcome was so good. The outcome was great. Like, again, I understand the irony and what I shared earlier. I understand people were negatively affected by decisions that I was that I made. But there was this trajectory that was really negative and really hard and really difficult. But the outcome, it was really good. It was great. You know, my life changed for the better. I was able to meet my fiance, soon to be wife. I you know have this opportunity now of this different trajectory. And it was really great. And I and all of you are like, hey, thanks for sharing all this. But we get it. Like everyone knows what blessing is. We know what it means to be blessed. And we all understand that. And I would agree. And again, I think in this season, it's helpful. Let's make sure we're looking at the ways that God's moving in our lives and that we're being blessed, that blessing is coming our way. But this morning, the the real point that I want to get at this morning is, is really challenging the definition that we have. Because to me, I feel like that's a pretty shallow definition of what blessing really means. And again, I share that like, My fiance is a blessing in my life, very much so. If you know me separate from her, then you would know that now that I have her in my life, it's a very different story. And she is a blessing, but she's not a blessing because of the outcome. And and what I want to look at this morning is there's a ton of times. If you looked up, how many times does it say bless or blessing or blessed in Bible? I didn't look it up. That's on me for not doing my homework. It's in there a lot, right? You know that? I know that. Don't have to tell you the exact number. And there's a lot of situations where it says that. But one I think that's really important is in Matthew chapter 5. And so I don't have the entire passage. You're probably familiar with it. If you're not, that's a shame on you for not being familiar with Matthew chapter 5. But it's called the Beatitudes, and it's about the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to share this with you real quick. This is my opinion. This is not like, hey, this is theologically super well-founded. I think that it is. But, again, I'm not a theologian. Didn't go to seminary. So if it's wrong, that's on me. But it's interesting, if you look at the Old Testament, there's this guy, his name's Moses, right? Moses, at one point, is this mouthpiece for God. He hears God's voice, and he shares it with the people. At one point, Moses goes on this mountain, Mount Sinai, right? He talks to God, and he comes back down, and he has these tablets. And those tablets are the Ten Commandments, and they're these rules that we live by. There's actually a lot of commandments in the Old Testament, but we love the Ten Commandments, right? It's this kind of figurehead, this thing that we look at. And that's very interesting. So this guy goes on a mountain. Here's the voice of God, shares it with the people, 
in these rules, right? And then you have the New Testament where Jesus comes in. And the Sermon on the Mount is a significant point in Jesus' ministry. It's a place where it's, he shares some things that seem to be very significant to the way that he understands the world and understands how we are to live. And so you have this guy who goes on a mount, who hears the voice of God and shares it with the people. And these things come out. And again, they're called the Beatitudes, but it's this series of verses in Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 12, where it says, I say blessed because that's how they said it in the Baptist church where I grew up. It feels weird because normally it's blessed, but it's like blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God, right? And it's interesting because if you look at that, and I'm not going to go through that this morning, but I would encourage you in your own time to do that. If you look at the parallels between those, it's very fascinating. You have this set of rules in the Old Testament that Moses gives to the people that are, here's how you should understand how to live. Don't murder people. Don't commit adultery. Put God before everything else, right? There's seven other ones because I did three, but another time. And then you have Jesus in the New Testament, and he comes through, and he has these things. And it's interesting also because after the, the Beatitudes, after verse 12, there's several sections of verses where Jesus says, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. Basically, you've understood this for a really long time, and I want to correct that into you understanding it this way. Basically, you've, and he doesn't say this, but the parallel that I draw between the Old Testament Ten Commandments and the New Testament Sermon on the Mount is, you've heard it said, don't murder people. But I tell you, be merciful. Or you've heard it said, don't murder people, but I'm telling you to be pure in heart. It's a lot less about a rule set to follow and a lot more about a guideline of character that we should have in the way that we approach life. And so I think that's super interesting. That's just a side note. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, so I look at that and I say, hey, we have this sort of cultural definition of blessing. And it's like I'm being rewarded. It's an outcome. So, again, I did something and I get an outcome for that. So the blessing is Hey, I got a raise, and so now I feel blessed because I can provide for my family. Or, hey, I got in this relationship, and I feel blessed because now I have someone to share life with, and so on and so forth. It's just this list. And what I look at when I see in, in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes is it, it looks like the, the question that I would begin to ask is, what if blessing is a lot less about outcome and a lot more about process? So it's, instead, thank you, Gina. I appreciate that. I thought so, too. It's the only thing that I wrote to put on the board. So... Big time. No, so I, I put blessing is much more about the process than it is about the outcome. And again, I don't, I don't have a ton of notes, and I do the thing where, like, if you hear one thing, this is the thing you hear. If you see one thing, this is the thing you see. Is Blessing is much more about the process than the outcome. And the reason I say that is because I think looking at blessing is so much less about what I get out of this situation and so much more about what God is doing in this situation. And this is why. If we look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Um, or sorry, I think I did four and five, maybe let's do four and five. Let's just do that. So in, in Matthew chapter, chapter five, verses four and five, we have blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And again, if we look at that first definition of blessing, this thing we receive, this outcome, we look at that and say, uh, like the outcome is, is that we would be comforted, right? So we're blessed if we mourn because we'll be comforted and there's the outcome. But when we look at this idea, it's, hey, mourning is not like just this one-time thing. It's not like we just mourn, and it's this instantaneous moment, and then suddenly we're comforted, right? That's an entire process. Mourning is a process, and being comforted is a process. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's the same idea there. We're looking at this and saying, this is not like an instantaneous transactional thing. 
And this morning, the thing that I really want to push in is blessing is so much less about being a transaction because it's so much more about a relationship. And so for us, the blessing is not what we get out of the relationship. In fact, it's actually the opportunity to be in the relationship itself. And so for us, the goal is not, hey, I want to be meek, because guess what? You could be meek and not know God, and what does it matter? Or you could be comforted in, after you mourn and not know God, and what does it matter? There's a lot of ways to find comfort if we're mourning. There's a lot of ways to find opportunities to feel okay with life after something bad happens and we could not know God. And so the thing is, is that we're not looking for an outcome. We're looking for a process. We're looking for a presence of God to be in relationship with him. And I think to me, looking at this season of momentum and where are we going and how are we going to get there, it's so much less about where are we actually trying to get, and it's so much more about what are we doing in the process of getting there, right? Momentum isn't about hitting a finish line. It's about moving. It's about an action. It's about a process, right? And so if I have momentum, I'm not thinking about the finish line. I'm thinking about what's happening right now right here in the present and to me when i look through this i think hey this is what blessing is actually all about and in this season i'm not looking for hey what are the good things that have happened over the past week what are the good things that have happened over the past month but really what i'm looking at say where are the opportunities in my life that i could look at these verses in matthew 5 chapter chapter 5 verses 2 through 12 and say where are opportunities that i could begin to be these things in in the lives of people around me and so I want to look at Matthew, um, I think it's, uh, are we 8 and 7 and 8 or 8 and 9? It's, uh, there it is, 8 and 9, perfect. So, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I want to really focus on, on 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And daughters, sons and daughters, equality, all for it. Um, so, chapter, so, so verse 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And again, if we take that first definition of blessing, it's this transactional outcome thing. We're like, yeah, that's great. I want to look at somebody. I want somebody to look at me and call me a peacemaker. I want to make peace for people around me. But I want you to think about this. How many of you have ever mediated a conflict and tried to be a peacemaker? Is it an easy process? Is it something that happens quickly? Is it something that's clean and not messy? Not at all. It's time-consuming. It's painstaking. The process of being a peacemaker looks a little bit like this. You go to somebody you really care about and say, hey, I see you have conflict with somebody, and I'll talk to you about it. And then one of two things happens. Either they have, like, a really deep hurt, and you end up taking that hurt on because you hear what they have to say, or they're just really upset, and you listen to somebody complain for a really long time. And, and those are the situations you have. And then after that, you go and you find the other person that you care about that's on the other side of the conflict, and you do the same thing over. And then after that, then you get to sit down with both of them together and mediate a conversation that probably doesn't go very well. And then you do it over and over and over and over. And eventually in that process, hopefully somehow peace is made, right? And we look at that and we say like, oh, wait, that, that's not like this really great circumstance outcome. It, it's really this really long, arduous, difficult process that we have to get into. And what I think is also interesting is if you look at any of those verses 2 through 12, and I'll, again, focus on, on the peacemaker part, that being a peacemaker, there is nothing that you or I can do to actually make peace in anyone's life. I can't do that on my own. Now, I'm in counseling. Like I've gone through my master's in counseling. I'm about to finish. I work as a counselor. But this is the truth. I can't tell you a specific process or idea or theory that actually brings peace to people's lives outside of incorporating God into that process. And neither can you. The truth is you can have a lot of really great ideas. You can have a lot of really great thoughts. But there is nothing that you individually can do 
to make peace in a situation. You cannot reconcile brokenness. You cannot redeem things that are broken. And neither can I. But God can. And I say that again to look at it and say, hey, so much of this idea of being blessed or blessing is about this process and this opportunity to let God into this space for us to see God move in our lives and through our lives so much more than the outcome that we see on the other side. The goal in that process is so little about being peacemakers on the end and so much about being peacemakers in the process. Because for each of us, what happens in that is we say, hey, in this process, I have to invite God in. I have to be present and I have to allow God to be present as well. And so much of this process is me saying, God, I can't do this, but you can. And we look at that parallel between the Ten Commandments of this is how we should live our lives, and this is what we put in the courthouse, and this is what we, you know, write down, and we put in our house, and we know that we should live this way. And we parallel that with the Beatitudes and say, this is the way I want to be. This is the person that I want to be. This is the character I ascribe to have. And if I'm ascribing to have this character, I want to be a peacemaker, then what's necessary is that God has to be present in my life to do that. I cannot do that on my own. And suddenly, again, blessing goes from this, process, from this outcome to this process to this journey where we say blessing is actually an opportunity to invite God in. And this morning, like I said, I really want to, want to communicate to you is I want us to be people that in the midst of difficulty and hardship, and what I feel like God's put on my heart to share is that, that in this process of trying to build momentum and what feels like we're in the pullback of the slingshot, it feels like things are difficult. We went from two services to one. We need more volunteers in children's ministry. We need more volunteers in youth ministry, but that's not what this is about, but that's true. Um, <laughs> We need help and we need things to happen and and things are difficult and our world is difficult and life is crazy. And what's happening in Russia and Ukraine is very difficult and crazy. And what's happening politically in our country is difficult and crazy. And, and, And all of those things are very difficult. And a lot of times it would be really easy for us to look at it and say, well, we're just waiting on God to do something. We're just going to sit here and wait and hopefully he's going to let go of that slingshot and boom, everything's going to be better. Right. Suddenly we're going to have this momentum and everything's going to work out. And I just, one, maybe I'm cynical and so I don't think it works that way. But two, I think that, that based on what scripture says and the way that God works, I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't think that God just saying, hey, just keep waiting. Just keep waiting. It's going to get better. Just keep waiting. Soon you'll call this a blessing in disguise. I don't think that's how that works. I think what, what God's saying is, hey, in this process, I need you to ask me to be present. In this process of being pulled back, in this process of difficulty, I, I really, I want you to be blessed. I want you to experience blessing. And that blessing has, has very little to do with everything feeling good and being comfortable and, and a lot more to do with you allowing me to be present in your life, in this situation, in the good and in the bad. And the, the thing I'll kind of close with is interesting to me is I, when I look up the definition of, of blessing from an English standpoint, this isn't like the Greek in the New Testament, what Jesus was saying. This is like the English translation, right? But it's interesting. So the, the word blessing or bless uh, kind of translates roughly back into the word blood, which means to be consecrated by or to be marked by. And so we look at this idea that to be blessed means to be marked or to be consecrated by who? By Jesus. And then we think about the Passover. And what do people do? They put the blood over their door. Why? So that they would know that they're marked by Jesus. And for us, the same thing is true. That we've been marked by Jesus. That the opportunity that we have, that being blessed has so little to do with the outcome of what happens. And so much to do with the fact that we're marked by Jesus. 
that we have access to be there. And the illustration that I use is there's like tons of illustrations about sin, but there's the one where we're here, and then there's the Grand Canyon, and we can't get over it, and there's no such thing as evil can evil, and you can't jump over it. It's too wide, and you can't make it. And here's God, right? And this sin has created this chasm, and we can't make it. And then suddenly Jesus comes, and he builds a bridge, and he's sitting there at the bridge, and he's saying, hey, if you'll just believe in me, if you'll come and know me, then you can get across the bridge. You can be in a relationship with God. And being consecrated is our ticket. It's the toll booth ticket that says, hey, I'm marked. Let me across. And, and he's like, all right, go see God. This, and, you know, it's a silly example, but that's how it works. And the reality is that being blessed is having our ticket punched that says you can get across the bridge. That being blessed doesn't mean I just made more money, so I'm financially stable. Being blessed doesn't mean, hey, I'm in a relationship now, and so things are good. Being blessed doesn't mean all my problems have been solved for this season, and so everything feels good, and I'm comfortable, and I'm content. Being blessed means my ticket's been punched, and so in the midst of whatever's happening, I have access and opportunity to talk to God, to let God be in my space. And then I have this outline of this character of what God, of what Jesus has taught us to look like in our lives. And he says, hey, be peacemakers, be pure in heart, be meek. And I look at those things like, I can't do those alone. He's like, that's the point. You're blessed. Why are you blessed? You have access to me. What happens when you have access to me? You can do these things, and I can do these things through you and around you. And so for this morning, that's where I want to land is really just this idea of like, hey, that's what I want for us. And I think that's what God wants for us. I think in this season, God's not trying to get us to say, hey, I'm just going to ignore that things are hard. I'm just going to ignore that life is really difficult. And I'm just going to be blessed and everything's okay. I think Josh made a point last week where it's like you meet that person who just got in a car wreck and they walk inside and they're like, how are you doing? You're like, I'm blessed and highly favored. And you're like, no, you're bleeding out of your face. You're like, yeah, I'm not asking us to do that. I don't believe in that. I think that's stupid. And I just, that's true. I think that's the case. It's, a, it's okay to acknowledge that life is really hard right now. But in the midst of that, we can acknowledge that there are opportunities for blessing everywhere in our lives. And those opportunities are the fact that we have access to God. And because we have access to God, he can do those things in and through our lives. And so for each of us this morning, we can look at our lives and say, hey, where's a situation where I could be a peacemaker? Not so people will pat me on the back and say, hey, you're such a good person. You're such a good job. So that I can get my hands dirty and I can get in a conflict with two people that I really love and care about. And I can see God reconcile something that no one else can. Or what does it look like to be pure in heart and say, hey, it's really actually super easy to be cynical right now in life. And I don't want to be cynical. I want to look at people. And I want to see them. And I want to love them. And I want to be present in their lives. And I want to look at situations that are difficult with my family members that I just don't want to be a part of their lives anymore. And I want to say, God, teach me to be pure in heart so that I can love them well. Teach me that I can see them the way that you see them. And be present in my life. Bless me by giving me the opportunity to make my heart pure so that I can love people well. And for us, that's the opportunity on the table. And so we're going to go into ministry time, and there's kind of two things that I want you to kind of focus on and maybe to consider asking God to do in your life. And one is that you, if you have your phone, you can look up Matthew chapter 5, and you can look verses 2 through 12, and there's a lot of things, peacemakers, pure of heart, meek. There's so many more. And, and look through and say, hey, what are, if I really was honest with myself, which of these do I feel like God is prompting me to do? Like, what of these things could God really be doing and using me to do in my life and for the people around me? And maybe praying and saying, God, hey, maybe you're calling me a peacemaker between my family. Sorry, I'm in your way. This is a weird transition. It's tough. Um, and so I think that's the first thing. And then the other thing is this, and, and, and this is something that kind of when I was preparing this, it really stood out to me. And it's something that I think, recognize, like, that I reconcile 
with that I, uh, that I would say, like, hey, this, this hits home for me sometimes. And I think it hits home for a lot of us in this season. Maybe this really meets some people. But I think a lot of us, we are consecrated, right? We do believe in Jesus. We've been marked by his blood. But what happens is that there's things going on in our lives and we're really tired and life is really hard right now and life is really difficult right now and the circumstances seem really like they're not going in our favor. And I think what, what I want, what happens sometimes is, is we, we think about going to the bridge and showing our ticket and saying, hey, I need you to be in this space. And, and something inside of us, some fear inside of us says, you know what, I'm afraid I'm going to get to the gate and, and my ticket's going to get denied. I'm afraid that I'm going to get there and I'm going to feel like, hey, I know that God loves me and I know that God wants to work in my life, but something is just holding me back from actually believing that that he's going to do that. Like, yeah, I've been going to church for a long time and I love God and I really believe that he loves me, but something in my life right now makes me feel like I just, he doesn't actually want to do that in my life and through my life. And I think this morning what I would love if you're in that space is just to come up front and ask somebody to pray for you. Just ask that God would just continue to speak that, that you are. You are welcome and you're invited and you're desired to be in his presence. And that he wants you to come to the gate and say, hey, punch my ticket. I want to come across. I want to sit with you. I want you to move in my life and through my life. And again, I think because this season has been so difficult and so weird, a lot of times it's like, hey, I'm just, I'm just doing good to get to church on Sunday morning. And that's fine. Sometimes you don't make it. That's okay, too. I'm not telling you get to church. I'm just saying, hey, God actually wants to use you in people's lives around you. He wants to move in your life, and he wants to move in people's lives around you. And so sometimes, even though this, you know, it's just because we're human, it doesn't make that much sense. Sometimes it's easier to believe stuff when other people say it. And so this morning, I'd love for you to come and have somebody pray for you just so you can hear a human say, hey, God actually does want to move in your life. It's not rocket science, but again, sometimes it's just easier as a human for me to believe something that somebody else says. And so maybe you need to come forward and get somebody to pray for you and just pray that that God would speak the truth that he wants to move in and through your life. That your ticket's not invalid, that it's not too old, that it didn't expire, that you're not consecrated anymore, that he changed blood types and you don't get to go across anymore. You're good to go. And like I said, I think that's hard. I think that in the season, it's difficult to believe that. So this morning, like I said, you can respond however you want to. I'm not telling you what to do. I think those are good ideas. So maybe those will be good. But if something else is going on, then do that. But I just don't want you to leave this morning. I, I don't want you to leave not having an opportunity to just do, do business with God. Just to say, God, this is what's going on. This is what's been prompted in my heart this morning. And, and I want to really deal with that. So I'm going to pray for us. Our ministry teams are going to come up, and then we'll go from there. God, thank you that you're good. God, I thank you that blessing is because you want to be a part of our lives. It has nothing to do with what you want to give us and everything to do with just being present in our space. And so, God, I ask that right now that you would come and that you would speak to each of us. God, that we would hear your voice that it wouldn't be my voice or someone else's, but it would be yours. God, that would hear your voice saying, I want to know you. I want to be present with you. doesn't matter what else is going on. doesn't matter what's happened over the past six months or two years or ten years. It just being consecrated means you're marked by my blood, and I want to know you. And so, God, I'm just asking that during this time that you would come and speak. God, that you would breathe life into everyone in this room. God, that you would bring breathe your spirit into each of us. God, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.